In the great halls of USA Today, we assemble the newsroom's mightiest nerds, Brett Molina. I'm so sorry for the producer of this podcast. <laughs> Kelly Lawler. I will fight you on it. Brian Truitt. Spoiler town! <laughs> Together, they form The Mothership. Their mission? To harness their collective encyclopedic knowledge of nerdiness in all its forms. To dissect every trailer, plot twist, and game released for the geekiest of fans. The Mothership. Saving the universe from bad comic book adaptations every Friday. All aboard the Mothership, the geek culture podcast from the USA Today Network. Thank you so much for joining us. And happy Halloween! I'm here by myself again. Just me and a bunch of Halloween decorations. But if this is your first time listening to us, welcome. New episodes of The Mothership drop every Friday, and you can subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you like to listen. And hey, while you're on Apple Podcasts, wouldn't it be swell if you could write a quick review about the show? By doing that, you'll be helping other fans who love nerdy pop culture find us. And as a thank you, we'll give you a very special shout-out on our next episode. So try it out. Tell us what you want to see from the show moving forward. It's all upside for you. And don't forget, along with leaving a review, you can also get in touch with us on Twitter. We're at Mothership Pod. Or you can send an email to MothershipPod at USAToday.com. Now on to the main topic. Here's a clip. But I didn't hear him go up those stairs. Usually I can hear. He's standing in Luis's bathroom doorway, staring at hanging upside down what's left of his, of Mr. Perlman's face. Damn. I wish he didn't. Damn. She didn't think they were going to show up. What? No, don't do that. Don't you defend her. But I killed her boyfriend, Luis. Poor kid actually found somebody and I had to go. Hey, and... if you had to do it, you had to do it. But how could she have called the I mean, we had that old man and then Marcy and then that fat and nobody said a word. But now the rich white boy's gone 20 seconds, not even cooked yet. And there's already two cops asking me why his phone signal stops in this building. So what the are we gonna do now, man? I'm not going back to prison. I know. I know, mommy. I, I think I got a plan. Take it easy for now, okay? With the. You know. Just for now. Not like we don't got enough meat for like at least a week. That's what you're worried about right now? Having enough meat? You know what? Why don't you go take a walk? Why? That was a clip from The Horror of Dolores Roach, a podcast that scary movie lovers will dig with its modern reimagined take on Sweeney Todd. It also stars this week's special guest, Daphne Rubin Vega. Rubin Vega is a Tony-nominated actress, singer, and now podcaster who musical theater fans might know as one of the original Broadway cast of Rent. She's also been on stage with The Rocky Horror Show, Les Miserables, and A Streetcar Named Desire. And Daphne has also appeared in the movies Wild Things, Jack Goes Boating, and the upcoming big-screen version of the Lin-Manuel Miranda musical In the Heights. Thanks for coming on the show, Daphne. I actually I went out of town over the weekend, so I got to like binge a whole bunch of your podcasts. So I'm like... Almost caught up, totally. Where are you at? What's happened? Are you in season two? I've just started getting into season two. So she, so Dolores is underground now. Oh. It just in general, the, you know, you've played a lot of cool characters on stage and screen and everything. How does Dolores rank? And, you know, what is for you special about her? Dolores gets to have all of the 
the adventure of any Shakespearean, Tennessee Williams, Jacobian, Shavian character um, because of her adventures underground. You know, how does it how does it stack up against all the other characters? I think I've always wanted to play a character that is so you know. Forget about what she does, because what she does is, for, is, is a matter of circumstances, of, you know, the lot of her life. But the way she, she navigates her life is quite um, remarkable. She's a survivor, going through. I mean, that's kind of the great thing about the first season character arc is kind of like she starts out kind of wanting to be above board. You know, she kind of wants to go straight and narrow, get her life back after being in jail for 16 years. But like you said, circumstances happen and she has to survive and, you know, it, it takes a toll on her mentally. And, you know, kind of like you, you really kind of feel the, you know, everything that she goes through, you know, just the ups and downs, mostly downs, you know. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, I think sometimes the fact that she's a woman um, impacts perhaps on, on how it's viewed. She's really quite a noble warrior who's been dealt a really lousy lot, um, as far as I know, you know, mm-hmm. and she really does the best she can with the situations that she has. She has a remarkable, you know, life trajectory. The obstacles in her world, she deals with them with as much sort of courage as, as any human being. And she's kind of crafty and, um, yeah, wily. You know, she's she's smart considering the the experiences that she's having. Um, and actually, you know, I I love finding kindness in in characters that would otherwise not um, not display that. Humanity has many levels, and we're capable of of going really really far down when circumstances are bad enough, you know? So I love seeing how she uh, takes advantage of opportunities. So before the podcast, this started as as the play Empanada Loca. What's changed the most as the stories kind of moved mediums? Well, um, I think Aaron Mark, uh, the playwright and director, has made incredible changes to this story in terms of how, how we listen to it. Um, it's an audio genre. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the elements of a radio play, like War of the Worlds. I think when we think of podcasts, we think of non-scripted stuff where they're interviews. In this case, this is um, being, being told a story. In, in a really sort of classical gothic manner, um, it allows one to not have to use one's eyes, so you can use your brain in different ways. It's fascinating how a podcast world can really open up the storytelling, you know. So I think that in that way, without giving away details, you know, um, there are many kind of, of of roots that are being attacked at once. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, totally. You know, what's for you in, in, in performing and acting for something like this? What's the best thing about it? 
how has it challenged you? What do you what do you enjoy about it? Well, I've been working on this for years with Aaron and uh, Mimi O'Donnell at, at Gimlet. So, you know, for me, it's just, this is my pet love. All my characters are my favorites when I'm doing them. But this particular character is, is, is one that I've cultivated through years. I think that she's, you know... Um, She's been kind of, she's marinated to perfection, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that, that that's, you know, I'm proud of what, what's come out of that, that marinating in a story. When you sit with a character and a story and a circumstance for long enough, you really have time to, um, to massage it to a place where you want it, you know? Um, the collaborative process of you know this collaboration with these people has made it so that we're actually very um in control of our our content and very happy with it i think that's what's different usually as an actor i'm saying my lines and focusing on my work to the best of my ability but that's very very limited with this podcast i i get to also be a producer like my opinions very much matter. They're very in, influential. And I don't know, you know, that's that's more of an ego talk, but when it comes to the actual work, um, you know, we're being exactly sort of what we want. I mean, we have happy accidents, but it's amazing to see that someone like me who has, you know, I have done Shakespeare and I have done Tennessee Williams and I have done classics, but this is a, a classic for me, you know, someone who who looks like me, who talks like me, can really, uh, you know, get into the story. And not you don't have to look like me either, you know. Um, that certainly isn't a requirement for listening. But um, there's a particular story being told, which um, which is very of the moment. It's topical. You know, it's like taking Sweeney Todd. What would happen if you blew up the place where you stayed and had to run and live underneath the subway tunnels of New York City? Like, what would happen? Who would you meet? You know, what kind of circumstances would happen and how would you survive? So um, right now in this kind of environment, I just love telling this story. I love having this story to tell. Um, it's exciting. It's funny as hell. I think, you know, the hot and cold shower element of our storytelling is is a very thrilling aspect of how we tell the story, you know, um, which is comedy and horror, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, and with the element of comedy and horror really entertaining, funny, and um, valuable stories can be told. Um, You know, in this kind of climate where absurdity makes sense, this kind of story really kind of hits, hits a sweet spot. For sure. And I, it's, it's been picked up by Blumhouse to be a TV show. Where is that in development? And I'm, I'm assuming you're going to star? Um, you can assume that, but never make assumptions. Um, 
No, you're you're a producer, so I would imagine you'd have some say, probably. Absolutely, which is very exciting. I mean, I, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing how how that's in development right now. So I can't really talk about it freely, but it's extremely exciting, and um, yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how that works out. I'm happy to be, you know, working with that team. So tell us about the In the Heights movie coming out next year. What was it like working with Lynn and, and director John Chu for that? Um, it's taking a Latin story and making a musical with singing and dancing and, uh, you know, big lights. And, and it's a big blockbuster musical with dancing. So... I mean, I've never done that on film before. I'm very excited to see what that looks like. Um, hundreds of dancers working with Lynn was like, um, you know, getting to see an extraordinary human being, you know, working with these extraordinary people and keeping it very real and basic, you know, while making a extravaganza musical you know so i don't know how better to explain that other than just like mind-bogglingly wonderful experience you know sure yeah well since it's halloween we've got some spooky questions for you um what's your favorite horror movie ever my favorite horror movie wow there's this movie called the haunting there's also a film called The Innocence. The Innocence. Um, I think it's Walter Hill, 1961, starring Deborah Carr. I must have seen that. I saw that when I was in Panama on an English channel. I must have been like six years old. And it scared the <laughs> out of me. Um, for that reason, I, I love these old, 60s black and whites so the haunting and the innocent and innocent with a ts yeah based on uh the henry james novel turn of the screw oh my god that's the scary yeah the turn of the screw is very very scary the rocking horse winner um they're not really that scary dead of night um which is like an omnibus scary movie that started out the Twilight, you know, it was an inspiration to the Twilight Zone series. Right. You know, they had all these like mind bending stories put together out of night. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, Night of the Living Dead is the ultimate classic horror movie to me. That is the quintessential horror movie. I still like, you know, get a little freaky, and I and I'm absolutely apoplectic by the end of that movie. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite Halloween candy? I'm not big on the candy. I hate candy corns, man. <laughs> There's a lot of people that would agree with you. I'm not big on the candy. I like apple cider. You know, I grew up in Greenwich Village, so Halloween is you know, bigger than Easter, <laughs> you know, by like, by a lot. Um, so at this point, you know, having, having a 14 year old kid that doesn't really want to um, dress up or trick or treat or do any of that stuff. I'm like, you know, 
Now Halloween, I make my altar for the dead. You know, I still have my Dia de los Muertos thing set up. Um, so yeah, I really do love Halloween because um, that's when I totally feel my ancestors coming back, so I could light a candle and um, talk to them and not feel like a freaky person. When you were a kid, what was your favorite Halloween costume? <sighs> you know, probably dressing up like a rock star. I think I like to dress up like David Bowie or Mick Jagger. <laughs> David, David Bowie was probably, you know, you know, yeah, I know it sounds weird, but I was a, yeah, some sort of rock star. I always wanted to be a rock star. And what frightens you the most? You know, it's funny. Um, you just reminded me of a really silly story. Um, when I was a little kid, we, and it was Panama also, we went to see Dracula, his risen from the grave in some, like, weird cinema, you know, in, in the neighborhood. And it was, you know, it was kind of like a cinema in Panama with Dracula has risen from the grave. And I remember being so scared when I saw Christopher Lee's face and his like uh, bloodshot eyes and burying his fangs that I remember to this day that like my eyes like automatically closed. Like I couldn't even, like they, they reflexively, like I couldn't keep them open. I remember being so frightened that I couldn't open my eyes. Um, that I recoiled, literally recoiled in horror. Um, so, so, yeah. So I remember somebody saying that Christopher Lee was sexy, and I thought, oh my God, like, <laughs> how absolutely bizarre. Um, I don't know if that answers your question. That's good. That's good. Um, we really thank you for taking the time, Daphne. Thank you very much. Good luck with the podcast and the movies and everything else kind of going on. And happy Halloween. Thank you. Happy Halloween to you. Okay, listeners, your turn. Are you listening to Dolores Roach? What's your favorite scary movie? Let's talk about it on Twitter. You can also find us at Mothership Pod, but you can tweet at us individually. I'm at Brian Truitt. Brett Molina, who's somewhere else, is at Brett Molina23. And Kelly, who's also somewhere, is at KLawls. K-L-A-W-L-S. And don't forget, you can email us too. We're at MothershipPod at USAToday.com. But we're going to wrap things up here. Thank you so much for listening. Again, happy Halloween. Special thanks to our pilots slash producers of The Mothership this week, Channing Green and Natalie Boyd. If you like the podcast and don't want to miss an episode moving forward, you can subscribe to The Mothership for free on Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, how about leaving us a rating or review? It helps other people find the podcast. But if Apple Podcasts isn't your jam, you can also find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts. Till next week, nerds out. Nerds out.